Okay, good morning. Morning, how are you doing? Good, this is recording. We're so smart. Okay, well, I just wanted you to know. <laughs> Perfect. Okay, well, welcome to Good Film Hunting. There we go, we're clearly on top of our game. Should we start over? No, 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 I like it. Okay. So, tell me what has been the most important cultural thing for you this past week? So, last night I went to a movie in Millennium Park here in Chicago, and it was um, West Side Story, and it reminded me of how that movie is. How what? How lovely that movie is. Also, how trippy it is. It was definitely made by people who were, like, doing drugs in the 60s. But it's good. Well, it has, like, a beautiful opening sequence with the credits. And, yeah, it's, like, definitely very 60s. Oh, yeah. And the choreography is super 60s. I mean, it's, like... Aspects of this film are very problematic. The music is gorgeous. Yes. Oh my goodness. Earlier in the summer, I went to a West Side Story concert at Hollywood Bowl, and I was like blown away by how much I enjoyed it. Yeah, I mean, it was really fun. Um, Cassie, our friend from childhood, she was there last night, and she literally cried like the whole movie. Well, the whole end of the movie, she was sobbing. Interesting. Did they make any parallels to modern-day, like, gun violence? Because that's what they did in the performance I saw. I mean, it wasn't a performance. It was a movie. So. But even still, you know there's ways of, like, screaming it and introducing it. Yeah. Well. Nope, they did not. Well, (laughs) I wasn't there for the introduction, so. So who knows? Julio. Anyway, what about you? Well, this past week, I read this book that I've now become obsessed with. So, to be honest, I've been in kind of like a novel, I've been in a novel desert in that, like, I've read lots. Any novel I read, I didn't really like, so then I was going... There was so much nonfiction, a lot of which I really liked. But then I finally found a novel that I think, like, broke it for me, if that makes any sense. Okay. I was, like, back into being able to read fiction. So, this book is Homegoing. I'm going to mispronounce the author's name, but it's, like, Yagyasi. And she's Ghanaian-American. She's, like, 26 years old, which is incredible. And it's a book that traces, like, uh, an ancestor in Ghana, and through her kind of two lines, that it traces the history kind of, like, of the African-American experience, as well as the Ghanaian experience, and then kind of how they come together in present day. It was outstanding. I've heard it's really good. So good. Highly recommended. 
I got so into it. I think I finished it in like 36 hours or something. Whoa. Yeah, and I was still doing other things. It was just like, I like sat in bed for like four hours straight. You know, like one of those reading sessions where you don't even like check your phone at any point. Yeah. Which is increasingly rare nowadays. It's true. But important. Very important. All the importance. Uh, the back. So. Okay. You ready to talk about Space Animated? This is a lot of ways. This is like a pretty special episode because it's the first one where we're discussing a film that's currently out and that's not a film from our childhood, but it's a film in a lot of ways about movies and childhood. So, would you yeah. like to give a log, log line? With that, no, like, the introduction? Hmm? I mess it up every time. It's all you. No, I believe in you, I mean, this is the good that you're empowered. Mm. Nope, it's all you. Go, go, go. Okay. So, with um, Life Animated... It's a documentary film based on the life of Owen Foskin. So a few years ago, his father, Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist Ron Foskin, wrote a book about raising a child with autism. So Owen, at age three, he, uh, was diagnosed with autism and then became nonverbal. And right. this movie traces how, like, classic Disney films brought him language and brought him the skills to communicate with people. And really how can then. Right. So, okay, give me your immediate reaction to it, because you've seen it more recently than I have. Well, I loved this movie. I um, I definitely had a tear in my eye, like, for probably most of it. Um yeah. The mo the Okay, so the moment that really got to me and like made me super emotional was when uh Shafar and Yago come to uh Disney Club. That's when I like, oh, was, like yeah. pull it together. Oh yeah. I lost it then. I mean I lost it during most of the Disney Club uh, scene actually because not only because of Iago and Jafar coming but this, um, I mean, because essentially, I kind of thought about it. Essentially, like, they were doing what we're doing on this podcast, which is, like, relating our lives and, like, you know, the stories that we saw as young children to our current lives, you know? So I was like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> they are just like us. <laughs> we should join the club. Um, but, yeah, I thought that was a really nice moment. I mean, I cried when, um, that's probably the first time I got emotional. Basically, pretty early on in the film, I mean, so the when his dad, like, grabs the um, Iago puppet, like, he's telling the story about grabbing the Iago puppet and starting to meet his son, um, and I was just, like, struck by how emotional that father must have been in that moment of, like, not hearing his son speak for so long. 
and having a conversation with him, but having it through a puppet, like how, how wonderful and also how sad that must have been um, for him, you know? And then to hear his son say, like, he was unhappy because he had no friends. Like, oh, it's heartbreaking. So sad. Well, and I think the other thing that was so powerful about that scene, too, is that, I mean, you're a teacher, and I was a teacher, and we, we both interacted with autistic children, and I think part of that, like, you come to an understanding. It is so frustrating. It requires so much patience. But it is really incredible what they can do. But then also, just like, even with me, sometimes when I feel terrible for making this generalization, but sometimes I'm like, it almost seems such an impossible gap, like, bridge to gap that I, it would be so easy to see that, like, a little boy like that and just assume, oh, like, he doesn't need friends or, like, this is not something yeah. that bothers him because he's, he's in a way, like, so, so in his own head that he might not even notice that no one is playing with him. And then to have that, like, brought home so clearly and painfully to those parents, oh. Yeah, agreed with that entirely. You know, it was, um, it was, it was a lot. Yeah, and then, I mean, this is kind of off topic from what we're talking about right now, but I also, like, slightly fell in love with the older brother. <laughs> I thought he was, like, so cute and so caring. I was like, oh, my goodness, you have this incredible responsibility, and you just love your brother. Like, it is so great that you just love him. And are like his best friend, you know. Um, it was it was also really nice. So after I saw the movie, I read the father's memoir. I mean, it was beautiful. The parents dedicated the book to Walt because they're um, and the book focuses a lot more too on how Owen in like every situation in his life frames his older brother as the hero and what that meant and like comparing himself to the hero always. And that, but there's also like race with like a lot of funny brother stories that you wouldn't, you wouldn't necessarily come up in a movie anyway. And so much of it included, like when the, their parents were out of town and Walt comes to the party and he's like trying to get Owen to like make sure he doesn't tell their parents and like Owen like doesn't. But then the parents ask him like very specific questions, which are kind of like outside the rules of like don't tell them about the party. Where right. the question was like, how many girls were here on Friday? And he was like, exactly like 26 or something like that. And they were able to tell from that. So I think it, I think it showed the power kind of that relationship because yeah, like it is frustrating to have a sibling that you can't like kind of depend on for situations like that, but then also to be the object of such adulation from the younger brother. Like yeah, it's a, it's an interesting balance. Wow, I didn't, well, that's cool. Um, there's something else I was going to say, and it kind of just ran away from me. And it okay. was my fault, and I can't remember okay. what it was. Okay. Anyway. Eventually, the insight will return. Okay, so tell me about, like, your viewing experience. Like, the where you saw it, like, who you were with, um, kind of the type of theater you saw Okay. I mean, I saw it in a small movie theater called the Music Box Theater here in Chicago. Um, it was a limited, like, release. It was only out for a week. And 
it was in their small theater. They have, like, two theaters. One's a big one where they do, like, Sound of Music sing-alongs. And in Christmas, they do, like, White Christmas. And it's so wonderful. Um, and they do Holiday Inn. Next year, I want to do Holiday Inn. Anyway, so it was in their small theater. And there was roughly about 20 people in this, like, very small theater. I went with my mother, who's also a teacher. And we, like, made a day of it. It was actually, like, really nice. We got dinner afterwards, and we were able to talk about the movie and what we thought. Um, yeah. And so it was good. How about you? Where did you see it? So I was just going to say, I saw it um, at the School of Cinematic Arts at USC. Um, it was a free screening, and then afterwards they had a Q&A with the director. And I don't remember, I don't know if I told you this, Annie, but the director is really cool. Um, she's actually the first African-American to ever win a directing award um, at the Academy Awards. Yeah, well, so he won, I believe it was like 2010 for that short documentary, Prudence, which is really interesting because that's also a movie about someone with disabilities. And so this is, Reva um, is a girl born without all of her limbs. And South Africa is Zimbabwe, and kind of her being empowered through sustain. So, like, it's cool to see this connection um, in his own work. And I think the reason the documentary works so well is that the filmmaker is a close family friend of the Suskins. Like, he and the father worked together. The director was a journalist. And like, it was fascinating. He was like, yeah, it's really cool that I've been so involved in Owen's life. He was like, I... He, the filmmaker, as a family friend, was the person who videoed um, and recorded Owen's bar mitzvah when he was 13. You know what I mean? Oh, like, that's this so yeah, kind of outstanding commitment. Um, and I was also really impressed, too, because he talked about how, though the father was an executive producer, because in many ways it's based off of the memoir and it shares the name, he did talk about how, like, the father, Ron, was very hands-off and was very kind of impartial about what was being, what would be shown. It was interesting. One thing that really stuck out to me was that, because you know how a lot of times when you work and you interact with people a lot, it's it's so hard to get like eye-to-eye contact and maintain a conversation. So what they did um, is they used this machine called an Interatron. So Owen would sit and face this camera, and then the director would be kind of in a different space in a different room asking questions through this machine that would then reflect his face back at Owen, which works better because, like, Owen has a history of interacting with what he sees on screen more so than, like, interacting with people. So that's why he was definitely, you know, really powerful things where he was looking directly at the camera. And it's hard to imagine how they would have been able to capture that otherwise. Fascinating. I mean, those yeah. are favorite scenes were the ones where um, I thought that they were really powerful when the audience was watching Owen walk the movie um, and, like, seeing his facial reactions and, like, 
him responding to the characters. Like, I thought that was really powerful. I was like, whoa, like, this is his thing. Um, and it's so it's interesting. I was at a wedding this past weekend, and the bride's cousin who I'd met before, um, she works with their um, – she works at a high school, but she's with, like, very difficult um, disability cases where, like, she has, you know, been trained in, like, you know, like being able to restrict them. She has to wear, like, a bodysuit, you know, like, if these are – people who um, haven't yet learned how to deal, you know, like... Oh, with, like, emotions and anger and... Okay. So she's, like, very, like, very schooled in autism and, like, what it needs and what it looks like. So I, like, instantly ran up to her and I was like, oh, my goodness, I thought of you. I just saw this movie um, and it was so good and I feel like you would really enjoy it and it shows that, like, you know everyone has passions and everyone wants to interact with people and everyone wants to have relationships. And she was like, wait, 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 let me guess. It's life animated. Her very good friend grew up next door to them. Um, oh, yeah. Isn't that funny? She's like, no, so I've known about the family for like a long time. And she told me that they were making a movie about them and that I should see it. So like, I'm going to, once it comes to, she lives in Rhode Island. So, um, yeah, it was really interesting. I was like, that's so funny. Like, all these random connections. Yeah. No, it, it was, it's cute. Oh, and I love, I love going to the Q&A, like, finding out all of what, normally I hate attending Q&As, if I'm totally honest. There's, like, a lot of screenings in Los Angeles will have Q&As after. And a lot of times they're miserable. Like, super miserable. At that point, you've seen a movie, they're really ready to go. But this one, I... In a way, I was kind of nervous. I was, like, really hoping to stay. But I was going with my friend Francesca and then her brother and her sister-in-law who were visiting from Italy. And they're not 100% in English. So I knew they had seen this movie. I knew I was, like, leaving with them. And I was nervous that they would be, like, time to go. Um, but luckily, we all stayed. And it was incredible. It was beautiful the way... And, it, like, a lot of it was highly entertaining because um, the way the director described it, Owen really believes this is, like, the year of Owen, and he per, he, he was on the panel after the Sundance screening, and he was, like, interacting with people and was, like, making jokes. And there's also a really good clip you could see from maybe a few weeks ago or a month ago that was on the Today Show or The View, one of those morning shows where he's on with his mother, and it's very clear that he can socialize and, like, it takes clearly a lot of energy and focus, right, that he he enjoys talking about everything right now. It was That's also awesome. beautiful because you could see, like, I'll have to it. It's either the view or one of the morning shows, and his mother is, like, very clearly, like, tearing up. And you know how his mom, like, tears up essentially, like, every two minutes in the movie? It was so entertaining because the way the director described it is, like, she's like that all of the time. Like, almost anything will send her into, like, tears. Almost anything, which is, like, adorable. Can we also talk about the fact that, like, she had to give up a lot for Owen? Like, I mean, talk about the love of parents. Like, whoa. They both, like, committed to Owen and to loving him and to, like, making him, you know... Yeah, doing everything possible for him. Yeah. 
it's crazy. And I mean, he was so lucky to have that. Like, it made me really sad for all the kids who, for whatever reason, like, don't have that kind of support, you know, um, and who might just get lost. Um, yeah. Okay. And, like, in the course of the film, you know, and there's no way to know this, like, in the course of filming, how his girlfriend breaks up with him. Right. And it was interesting talking to the director because um, he said he associated a lot of that with the fact that her parents were divorcing and separating at that time. And so she was, like, mimicking what she saw. Oh. And it's hard, like, in general, she's older, but thinking about having either one of those parents take on the full kind of, like, workload of having a child with anything with severe behavioral behavioral difference and then just, like, the amount of time driving to different appointments. It's crazy. And then if you read the book, you find out the mother gave up. She, like, homeschooled him for a while, too. So in, in that sense, having to blur the line between parent and teacher and administrator and understanding how to, like, unlock potential, it's just so much. Oh, my goodness. And she probably had to quit her job, I'm guessing. Yeah. Yeah. And give up her career, which, like, which, so, I mean, and I feel like myself, I have this conversation as a young woman all the time where, I'm, like, with my friends, and we're talking about, like, oh, like, if we had kids one day or whatever. And, like, I mean, I would find it very hard not to work. I would find it extremely difficult to not get out of my house every day and, like, be an adult. Um, yeah. The way I need that for me. Right. But, like, this woman, is obviously, like, her unselfishness just, like, goes above and beyond where she's not only, like, giving of her – up her job to, like, care for her kids. She's giving up her job to care for a kid who's, like, not easy to care for, you know? Like, it's not a walk in the park. It's not, like, fun trips to the playground. Not that that's, like, all that motherhood is. Like, I know that. But, you know, like, it's even, like, kind of more difficult form of motherhood. Um, And she seems to have given it up, like, willingly, you know? Yeah, without without taking talking about it, like, very freely. Right. And it's also, like, okay. it, it kind of hit me that, like, I, as a teacher, and, like, people who work with people with disabilities, like, we get to go home, right? Like, we get to, like, take time away. Like, these parents were in it, like, all day, every day for, like, their entire lives. Um, and what that must, must feel like, too, so... Well, and then you also, well, especially about reading the book that I didn't think came across the movie was the father in the meantime was, like, having a really incredible, important career as a journalist, uh, really bringing attention to stories that needed to be brought attention to. But that also required him to, like, fly to Pakistan or, like, fly to Afghanistan. Like, not only not being where the rest of the family was, but find the places with, like, higher likelihood of danger. Uh, and at one point, he talks about how he decided not to go on a trip, and it was, like, a trip where Benazir ben- Buddha was, like, almost assassinated a few months before she was assassinated. And he's like, I could have been there when that bomb went off. And 
to consider that too, like the amount of faith this family has in each other, um, and at a certain point, in the belief that they could help their son, it's crazy. Yes, it's true. Okay, we do need to talk though about the animation for a second. Tell me your thoughts on the animated sequences in between. Well, I mean, they were gorgeous. I think that they did um, a really beautiful job of bringing his story to life. Um, And, okay, wait, I'm going to say this is what I was going to (laughs) say before. It came back to me talking about this. So kind of um, as Owen sees himself as, like, the sidekick, right, but, like, the hero Mm -hmm. So there is this quote that's, like, come to me, um, and it's from another movie, it's from The Holiday, which is, like, kind of silly, but so great. I love that movie. But if you'll remember that, um, the, like, the old man, the old filmmaker who Kate Winslet's character is, like, friends with, he tells her yeah. to be, like, the heroine of her own life. And, like, for some reason, that's, like, always really stuck to me. I always kind of, like, not, like, every day, but I'll, like, check in with myself and I'll be, like, am I being the heroine of my own life? Like, I am I, like you know, in a sense, essentially, like, saving myself? Am I, like, do I have gumption? Like, all of those things. And I felt like I had this connection then to Owen because he so clearly wanted to be a hero as well and didn't feel like maybe he could. But then, like, through these stories kind of shows that, like, like that that want is in him, too, to be his own hero and to, like, be his own person. So, anyway, it was all beautiful. Yes. Oh, it was beautiful. The and what is so powerful is you know that this story about the power of Disney films really touched Disney Studios as well because they allowed a different company to reanimate characters for these sequences. So you have they reanimate Yago, they reanimate Jimmy Cricket, they reanimate Clue to help guide Owen on his journey. I mean, that's a tremendous piece of faith on, on the part of Disney Studios because think about the licensing agreements that have to go into that and to allow a tiny, you know, limited release documentary that shows how powerful this story is, that these films that Disney Studios are intensely and nicely proud of could really transform an individual's life and that of his family. Right. Okay, I had a, I have a question for you. How was this movie received at USC and, like, Sundance and things like that? Like, is so it, it was... Yes, so it won, I believe, the Audience Award and the Director and Documentary Award at Sundance. So those are really big awards. Um, it was a really cool screening. It was a screening at USC where a lot of people will bounce as soon as the movie ends. And most people stayed for the Q&A. The screening was really packed. I actually missed, like, the first five minutes of the movie because I was coming directly from work. So I was, like, sitting in the front row. Like, so my neck was essentially stretched out by the end of the movie. Um, but, yeah, it was extremely well-received. I just... It played in a few smaller theaters in and around Los Angeles. Um, but, as, but it is getting a good review. It's one of those movies that 
I wish had a larger, larger theatrical release, but in a lot of ways, I cannot wait until it's definitely on a streaming site that I can easily direct people to. Like, you know, right. as soon as it's on Amazon Prime or Netflix, how many people are you going to be like, you have to watch it this weekend? Right. No, it's true. But, I mean, that's also kind of sad because then the filmmakers don't get that revenue, right? Yes and no, it depends. A lot of those are really, yeah, they are really good. It's also the alternative is that it's not picked up and then no one sees the work you did. Right, that's true. I don't know. I mean, it's a really wonderful movie. I, I found it very powerful. And Mom and I were talking and we were both like, oh, my gosh, it's teachers. It's crazy. But Mom especially was like, it kind of shows you that, like, each the humanity of each person and like that everybody wants to learn and everybody wants to interact and like everyone wants to be loved and feel like a part of the community and even those people who like maybe don't seem like that you know at first off for whatever reason like they do too like it's it's, it's inside them they want to be part of something so I don't know remember yeah. little kitties who maybe don't show that but you want it. Yeah. No, that's a, that's a really good point, the fact that people will always be really difficult, but that doesn't mean it's not worth it to make, like, form a relationship. Right. Right. Yeah, and it's, yeah, I mean, I've thought that a lot of those specialists, too, like, I thought that part was interesting, all of, like, the specialists and his teachers who, like, like, what the kind of therapy they would do with him, like, that was fascinating to me as a teacher. Because, okay, so I work with fifth graders, right? And, like, mm-hmm. but I have to teach fifth graders is how to, like, look people in the eye and, like, how to respond to questions in full sentences and, like, how to carry on a conversation. So a lot of what they were teaching him at, like, 23 are things that I teach 10-year-olds, you know? And I thought that was interesting in the ways that they did it, because I do it very similarly. Um, so anyway, that was just an aside. Yeah, no, it's cool. And yesterday, so what they um, actually visited an autism day services center. So and it's fascinating when so many disparate aspects of life come together like that. And as you were saying before, just the connection that is single work and making your own life. You were able to have kind of a more meaningful conversation with your friend's cousin because of this film in the same way that Owen was able to relate to other people because of this series of films that demonstrated human emotion for him. Right. I mean, it's okay. So one thing I did think was funny was the whole discussion around, like, sex. I thought that that was... And Disney porn. (laughs) Yeah, just because, like, I hadn't, I hadn't thought about that before. Um, I mean, like, I kind of had. I, like, as I watched him and his girlfriend, I was like, oh, I wonder if, like, they get married. Like, and I know that, you know, because I know that people do. Like, I know that people with Down syndrome have, have gotten married and, you know, like, stuff like that. So I know it happens. Um, but I was like, oh, I wonder how that works. <laughs> when his brother said that, I was like, oh, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to see. Yeah. 
like the characters of guys in so many ways. But then not in every way. Right. Yep. They're guys not yeah, I mean, let's be real. How many times have I talked to you about how growing the world is eerily sometimes tells me, like, the message I need to find in my own daily life, and I'm like, dang it. I haven't been able to watch Girl Meets World recently because the activity thing, thing doesn't structure it anymore. These are the tragedies we face. Um, I know. As a society, there's not immediate access to Girl Meets World. Yeah. Okay. But, okay, so let's think. So tell me, Annie, based on our discussion, would you recommend life animated to particularly young girls today? And if so, why? Okay, so that's an interesting question. So, yes, I would, but I think it would this movie would um, take some discussion both before and after with whoever's going to go see the movie with them um, because I think that sometimes in a way that's, you know, very childlike, like kids can see someone like Owen and like get kind of scared or be like, oh, he's different. Like, why am I here? Like, why am I here? And then shut down. Right. But like opening it up with a conversation about like, this is a story about, a, you know, a man who, like, loves Disney movies and, like, wanted to relate to the world and, like, let's think about ways throughout this movie that, like, you know, he becomes a part of, his, you know, the wider world. You know, like, give, just, like, giving them a question to, like, frame it around um, that will get them to think throughout the movie, I think, would be good, if that makes sense. No, absolutely. I would say the, I don't know that it would be successful. Or, yeah, and it's just hard, too, because even though it's a really engaging visual uh, documentary, it's still documentary in that, I, for a particular age group, that's a challenge. But the way you describe it, um, so Annie and I both taught at an all-girls school in Boston, and I can only imagine how cool it would be or would have been to have a movie like this and to frame it. You know, like in a lot of ways as a treat, but also as like a learning opportunity, learning opportunity because we use movies all the time in the classroom. And it's a really easy story to plug into emotionally. And I think for kids, like as you're describing, in a, in a learning environment, it would be so powerful because it's taking feelings that kids have already, especially middle schoolers. Think about it. It's these feelings of insecurity and isolation. And this belief that, like, you are so different than everyone else and no one will understand you. I think, like, that's a really universal human emotion, especially at particular stages in life. So using that kind of as a springboard for talking about autism and difference would be incredible. Like, that's a curriculum I would love to write, you know? Okay, I'm going to say two things, and I don't want to forget either of them. The first is Last year with my pictures, I found, so there's a podcast called The Moth, and The Moth, like, these NPR kind of sponsored storytelling, like, throughout the states, throughout the world, and I was listening to it, and there was a story that was told by this woman in Dublin, and throughout the story, you kind of figure out, like, he's a dwarf. She's, like, very small, and, like, people uh, have really 
you know, like discriminated against her and everything. And I played it for my students because I thought it was so powerful. I was like, guys, we're going to like try to, you know, like sit here and listen. And I thought it was a good exercise. So we did. And like, they thought it was incredibly powerful because I like, I framed it and I like didn't say anything about it in advance. I was like, just listen, like, we're going to see how it goes, you know. And they were like riveted by her story and they were like, but Miss Huntington, like, why would people treat her like that? And, like, she's obviously just a person, and, like, she's very funny. And I was like, no, I know. I know all of that. So, like, those kind of experiences in a classroom can be really cool, you know? Anyway. So, and then number two I wanted to say before we have to go um, is that so much of what Owen was saying about being an adult and being on his own are things that, like, I feel every day. Like, I remember – listening to him speak and he was just like something like this is hard and like I don't want to be alone forever like he said that he's like once he, like his girlfriend broke up with him and he was like you know with his mom he was just like mom I don't want to be alone forever and I had this moment of just like oh my gosh Owen that's like what I tell myself every day like, <laughs> like, yeah exact same thing that you're feeling um which was powerful for me you know so I don't know yeah, so I think that's incredible. Oh, I really hope next year, I, when this movie is, like, totally available on DVD, Blu-ray, streaming, everything, would you do an activity with your students? Because you'll still be in the classroom. Potentially. I mean, again, like, yeah, I mean, I probably would. I'd obviously have to edit, like, or be careful about what I do. porn? What? No Disney porn in a fifth grade Catholic school elementary? No, that won't be happening. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I would. Or I'd show them the the, the trailer, maybe. Um, if you show them the trailer, they'll just go watch the whole movie on their own, including Disney porn. Right, I know that, but like they do that anyway. I mean, there's no way to stop them, so. It's true. If I showed them only part of the movie, they would go do that, too. So, thank you. For Hamilton, right? Sometimes it's good. Okay, so Hamilton they went crazy for. But also that movie um, about the, like, the stories of those girls, like, throughout the world. You know what I'm talking about? Girl Rising. Girl Rising, which I love. I love, I love, I love. And I, like, in my classroom every year, I, like, show like, clips that are, like, there are, like, three that are on YouTube, like, full stories, and I show, like, one of them, the one who's in um, Bangladesh, or Nepal, Nepal. Oh, who's a, who's a slave, and then, okay, yeah, no, I know exactly what you're talking about. And I show that one because it's, it's pretty, like, it's not kid-friendly, obviously, like, it's a really sad story, but it's not, you know, like, explicit. Any, right. Yeah. So, um, but then, of course, my students all go home and they're like, oh, I found it on Netflix and I've watched it all. And I was like, okay, well, whatever then. But they were like, it was And you're like, oh, thank you, F- like, child bride from Afghanistan. Right. They're like, yeah. But I mean, so part of me is, like, those are important stories for them to hear and know about it, interact with. So, like, is it that bad? Like, I don't know. I don't know. Then there's always worse things that they could find on the internet. Always worse things. Then finding a story about, like, what's actually happening, and especially, and it's cool, I need to explore the, like, animated website a bit more, but I want to know if they, like, what the website and what the 
kind of films outreach also teaches about autism more generally. Because it's easy to think that, like, everyone has had experience with someone who is autistic, but that's not the case. You know what I mean? Like, we growing up had our neighbor, Maddie, and he was autistic. And I just remember that being, like, very overwhelming when we were kids um, and just, like, not understanding. But then when you move into teaching and child care, that's something that you come across more frequently. But not everyone's a teacher. Not everyone works in child care. So it's pretty easy to be an adult and have willfully ignored autism and autism spectrum. Right. Or just ignored, like, lots of different things. Like, I mean, I was laughing about the first time I heard about it, but it's, like, a real thing. Like, even um, compulsive defiance disorder, which I had a student with that. And, like, how terribly hard it was for that student to, like, interact in our in our, you know, school environment in the United States and, like, how hard life is going to be for her because she's this compulsion of defiance, you know? Um, and, like, very few people know about that. But anyway. Yeah. Um, okay. So, overall, both of us and our mom obsessed with Life Animated and especially for adults who grew up appreciating Disney films, it's clearly a must see. Um, and then in order to wrap up, Amy, tell me, where would you go today if given the opportunity? Whew, that's a hard one. Um, I don't know. Now, I think that I would go to Rio today. I want to go for the Olympics. There we go. That makes sense. We would bring our own water and shower. Um, but to be honest, like, everyone's talking about how dangerous it is and how, like, gross it is. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure I've lived like, somewhere grosser at some stage in my life. Like, this is me just being silly. I feel like, I feel like next week I'll want to be in Rio because, you know, like, this happens every Olympics where... I don't get fully excited until the middle of it, and then there's, like, nothing I want more than to be there. But, like, right now, it doesn't matter as much to me. But right now, I know for me, I would love to go back to Ghana. It was, again, going back to this book that I'm now obsessed with, Homegoing, it it describes so many places I visited when I was there in, I believe, 2008 or 2009. And I would just... Love to see how they have and haven't changed. Yeah. But, so, and that's, going back and revisiting was always incredible, an incredible experience. But, last, we are at the end of our podcast. Okay. So, you can find us on facebook.com slash goodfilmhuntingpodcast. You can email us at goodfilmhuntingpodcast at gmail.com. Spend lots of time commenting on our Facebook. Our stuff is up on SoundCloud, ideally on iTunes and Stitcher, AQAP. And we're on Instagram at GF Hunting. We're on Twitter at GF Hunting 2. We're going to really confuse you with all the differences. And we should hopefully be up on Stitcher sometime in the near future as well. So, all of Lovely. Lovely. All right, so until next time, goodbye.